Good evening and welcome to Elos Fumar Takes. This is our 254th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show. A a story of storytellers, a show of storytellers. I've been looking forward to this show for quite some time, and you'll find out in just a few minutes of why I'm so excited about it. But before we get to introductions of our guests of honor this evening, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate's at it again. In the latest Freestyle Live, they introduced the latest creation from the minds of Drew Estate. Yes, it is the Papas Fritas H99. Yes, H99 is now in the Papa's Frida size, a historic size for all Drew Estate uh, aficionados, a fantastic little blend, uh, all condensed in one of your favorite Vitolas from Drew Estate. The Papa's Fritas H99 is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers. Check out your local Drew Diplomat retailer today and pick up some H99 Papa's Fritas. Uh, looking forward to everything, all things Drew Estate coming up for the rest of 2023. Stay and pay attention to the Freestyle Lives and also come and look forward to seeing them in 2024. They have announced they will officially be returning to the PCA Trade Show. We look forward to seeing our friends at Drew Estate at the next PCA Trade Show in 2024. We'll be talking about the 2023 PCA Trade Show a little bit more this evening. So without further ado, let's introduce tonight's guest of honor, sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living united. Miss Ash Ott of Ashes with Ash. Ash, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. You're probably sick of hearing me say it. I've said it like 10 times. Since, like, <laughs> no, since I'm so excited. So, so this is good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So awesome. Well, um, th- again, thanks for joining us this evening. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about your podcast and your journey through cigars, which I'm really looking forward to learning about uh, a little bit. I know a little bit of something because I've been following your show for quite some time. Um, but, uh, it'll be, it'll be nice to have it, uh, have walk us through everything, uh, here on the show, but, um, as customary on my show, I always ask my guest of honor to select, uh, the cigar that I'm going to be smoking. Um, but before I ask you to do that, what, what you looks like you've already lit up. What are you smoking tonight? You know, it's funny. I don't know about this cigar and I should, um, because I just walked into the shop and I saw it. Nobody told me about it. It's called Pap Cigar Company. So okay. it's my grandfather's shop cigar, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it looks like it was made by Rocky Patel. Don't know. Oh, that's cool. So far, it's awesome, though. I'll have to let you guys know once I learn more about it, uh, what it all is. <laughs> Fantastic. I, that's kind of a cool experience, though, like not having any necessarily any preconceived. Well, maybe some preconceived notions, but like just lighting up a cigar and just like enjoying it for what it is. I, lo- I love to do that. We used to when I worked retail, we used to do that. We'd One of us would go into the humidor take a cigar off the shelf, take the band off everything and then hand it to somebody and say, smoke it. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Cool exercise. Cool exercise. Yeah. Seriously. I need to so, do that. Yeah. It, it really kind of like it, t- like I said, it takes like the preconceived ocean out of it. Um, right. And you just kind of focus on the tobacco and like whether or not like it hits your palate and how it hits your palate and the flavors that you get from it. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Cause a lot of people do, they see a band, they don't like the color of the band or the, what it looks like or the name, they've heard bad things about it. So yeah, right. it would be a really fun way to yeah. try new stuff that you usually wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if, like someone said like, oh, I don't really like Rocky Patel, like 
well, shoot, that cigar is like already out of their, you know, their quote unquote wheelhouse. And it's like, dang it, this is a really good cigar. They could have actually right. really enjoyed it, you know. So that's that's why it's it's always fun. But uh, here are the choices I wanted to put in front of you. And and, and whatever you choose, uh, again, it's your choice. I will smoke it. I will gladly smoke it. I'm excited uh, to, right. to have a share a cigar with you tonight. So uh, the first one is uh, the um, La Placencia Almaforte Six Toe. Uh, the hexagonal, which is uh, this is the this is the green label one, not the uh, the Almaforte. Um, and then uh, one that unfortunately is discontinued, but is still one of my all time favorites. And I have plenty of in my hidden in my stash. The Avo Domain Fifty. Oh, oh my gosh! All right, all right. Um, and then a limited edition special cigar from last year um, that uh, I still have a couple left, but I thought this would be an occasion, perhaps. To smoke it, uh, but again, it's, your, it's up to you. I have the uh, Winston Churchill uh, from Davidoff, the limited edition, uh, twenty twenty two, which is also a perfecto. Oh, so, so whatever right. you would like for me to smoke, I will smoke. You know, those are all really awesome options. I'm gonna have to go with the Avo Domain. I do love that one. I love it. I'm so sad they were. I, I was so upset when they discontinued it. I went. I went really crazy. It was also COVID, uh, yeah. so I, I bought way too many of these. Um, but that's that's okay because now I have yeah. now I now I now I have some to enjoy for a while. Yeah, but I love. It. When I was working at Davidoff, uh, this guy in California called the store to see if we had any left because they were all running out, and he like stacked. He got all of the ones that we had left. Um, but then I, and I'd never had one before. So I asked the guy that I was working with, what's this cigar all about? Why does this guy want it all? <laughs> and then he had one and gave it to me and it was like my favorite. And I was sad that the guy took them all, but I understand. So good. Yeah. Klaus, uh, Klaus Kellner and I uh, were talking about this cigar specifically because I asked him, you know, when he was still working for Davidoff, now he opened his own place and everything, but um, his own factory, but I asked him, you know, what his favorite non-Davidoff was. And he's like, oh, he's like, man, it's got to be the Avo domain. I was like, oh, man, me too. And he's like, the 50 size? I was like, yeah, the 50 size. He's like, oh, so it was, I was so sad. I was so sad when they discontinued the cigar. I wonder why they did. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I know they had to make way for the Kariba that they released uh, during yeah. COVID, but they didn't have to. Yeah, they didn't have to. <laughs> There's a couple of other Avo products I could have gotten rid of, <laughs> in my opinion. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> so awesome. Well, while I'm getting this going, looking forward to yeah. smoking with you. Um, just wanted to kind of like, um, I thought this was, I thought this would be a funny story to start off with. So, uh, as as you and I were uh working out the logistics for tonight's show and everything, you, you know, you uh send me your email and your number and everything. I was like, all right, I'll give you a call. We'll have some stuff out. And then I gave you a call and uh, I was like, oh, it's the wrong number. I texted you back and, and, or uh, DM'd you back. And I was like, Hey, yeah, I think you gave me the wrong number, blah, blah. Uh, Cause someone answered. And um, I thought they were, I, I honestly, this is what's really going to be really funny. And it's going to, I'm really going to expose my ignorance here. <laughs> I thought they were speaking Japanese. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I totally got the wrong number. This is crazy. Um, I thought they were speaking Japanese. Turns out it was your roommate who's not Japanese. Yeah. Right. But, but was rather speaking Greek. Speaking Greek. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She saw my phone and a random number called. She figured it was spam. 
So she answered it like that. And I was downstairs. And then when I came back up, like she was on the phone with somebody else and got distracted and totally forgot to tell me that she answered my phone in a funny way. <laughs> I was expecting a call. <laughs> She was That's like, what's well, only ever spam that calls you? And I was like, I know. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's all right. No, I just thought it was funny. It kind of reminded me. I don't know if you've, I, I'm a huge film buff, so I apologize. I don't know. Have you seen the, have you seen Notting Hill? No, I haven't. Okay. So there's an early early scene in it where Hugh Grant, the main character, has a has a roommate that's a little a little nuts. I'm not saying your roommate's nuts, she but is. same situation. He uh, he picks up the phone, answers, doesn't take the message, and it's a couple days later. And it's Julia Roberts who calls the guy, you know, calls Hugh Grant, you know, and he doesn't remember, you know, he doesn't remember the message, and you know, it's just it creates this <laughs> hilarity ensues uh, ensues unfortunately. So kind of reminded oh, me of that awesome. scene a little bit, like. Yeah. So, I mean, does your roommate just randomly grab your phone and talk Greek to strangers? Is that how she pra- practices? Duolingo isn't enough for her or what? I know, right? I guess she's when she's feeling funny. <laughs> is she is, so, is she actually from Greek or she just like she just knows it because that's her heritage or not, now I'm fascinated. Now I'm all into this. Yeah, her grandparents are Greek, so they're from Greece. OK, but yeah, she just kind of learned a little bit from them. Awesome. Do you know any additional languages other than English? Yeah, I really don't. I, I've i like learned them before and I just, it never really sticks with me. Like, I, like I just part of school or anything. What, what did you study in school? Yeah. I mean, it's Spanish. Okay. Yeah. I wish I want to like get back into it and really actually focus on it to make it stick in my brain, but I never let anything in high school stick. <laughs> I I highly recommend Duolingo. Um, yeah, I've been doing. I've been I've been brushing up. So my 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 youngest son, my three year old son, is learning Spanish. Yes, oh, cool. I said that. Yeah. Um. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll brush up. And so like I've I've I'm on like this hundred and seventy six day streak of like on Duolingo of like learning like re re yeah. refreshing my Spanish and everything. Of course, now like I say that, and I've been telling people that, and like everyone at PCA is going to be starting to talk Spanish to me. I'm like, God damn it. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna be able no I'm not ready for that you can do it you can do it I read it really well I can read it extremely well and I can actually write it pretty decently um it's when I I, I'm and people start talking to me I can understand it to a certain extent pretty well yeah it's this part that sucks I just it just (laughs) getting it out there just getting it out yeah it's not it doesn't work well so we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes but uh but uh um do you have any idea like what wrappers on that cigar i know you said you don't really know anything about it like what do you think it is i I think honduras okay but you know i'm not really sure it is like really it's dark it's a really good like maduro so far it's just kind of that's what it looks like and sweet oh it's really good Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, I am. I'm shocked. Not really, but. <laughs> okay, cool. Does Does Paps have any other additional house plans or anything that they have? Or is that the only one that you know that you know of? Yeah, this is the only one. Um, they, like DBL has made like special event cigars for us before, but not really that we sell in the shop. If we had some leftover, we might. But yeah, DBL has rolled a couple things for us. That's sweet. Um, 
We're going to get into PAPS and a couple other things here. And so why don't we dive into tonight's major point, which is always brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Uh, Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release. In the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, a Protocol Cigars. So, Ash, I wanted to just kind of, again, give uh, the opportunity to, re- I really just kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about your background and everything for uh, for everyone out there, um, you host the Ashes with Ash podcast. Um, it's, um, I, and if I miss anything about describing what it is, Ash, please feel free to correct me, but it's basically, uh, you know, it's uh, storytelling through the world of cigars and the people around it. Um, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, manufacturers and retailers. That means, you know, basically consumers too. And it's just, uh, and and you've you've done this for I think I think you just celebrated three years, right? Two, two years. Two years. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. So two years of doing this. And uh um you've had some wonderful stories we'll get which we'll get into and everything. But I mean, is that I mean, is that sum it up pretty well, or is there anything else that you would you would add to that kind of description of it? Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. The only thing is I think I mostly have um women on my podcasts. Like I mostly interview women in the industry. Um, of course, some a few awesome guys have been on there as well, but I get, not that I try to just focus on women, but I just am so interested in their stories and how they got into it just because it's, it's unique. It is maybe not as unique anymore, but it was. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think yeah. um, I, um, I had a couple of uh, uh, female guests on early on in this, on this, on this show. Uh, which I was pretty excited about. Um, uh, Grace Santolongo and her late husband, uh, Gabriel Alvarez, were uh, guests on my show early on. Uh, and that was really great. She, she actually had a brand for a while. And so, and I was a really big fan of it. And so it was really cool to kind of go down memory lane and talk to her about that. Um, and then um, also had the opportunity to, if you haven't had the opportunity, I hope you get the opportunity to one day interview Amanda McAuliffe of Macau cigar she's she's fantastic she's a fantastic interview um incredibly fascinating individual um and then laurel tilly uh who was with magadudo now she's with aj fernandez cigars and a couple of others as well but those are those are some of the more memorable ones for me on this show but yeah no i've noticed that you've uh you've been talking to a lot more women lately which is really great because there's some there's some like you said there's some really unique stories there that we yeah that you just don't really hear because it's a completely different perspective i feel like yes yeah it totally is yeah it's been incredible um on your listener base i mean do you feel like do you feel like i mean because you've mentioned this a couple of times because it is such a male-dominated industry do you get a lot of is, do you think your is your listener base pretty mixed? Is it mostly female? Is it mostly male? Or is it a pretty nice, healthy mix? You know, I think it is mostly males that listen, or at least they're mostly the ones that reach out to me and tell me they like the podcast or something like that. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not 100% sure, but most of the feedback I get is from males. So. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. We'll get more into the show here in just a bit. I wanted to kind of go back even further a little bit uh let's talk about like where i mean where it all started okay we're i mean you're right now you're in lynchburg virginia 
Um, it's where your father's cigar shop is, uh, Paps Cigar Company. So check it out next time you're in Lynchburg, Virginia, everybody. Um, what um, did you? Was was your first cigar with him, or did you did you have a cigar? Like, tell me about a little bit about your first cigar smoking experience. Yeah, my first cigar was with him. I was with him and my brother. Uh, we were on like a camping slash hunting slash fishing trip <laughs> and I was 18 and he pulled out some, some cigars and I had a Christoph Maduro he started me off strong oh wow <laughs> and okay I loved it and then ever since then we always smoked cigars on those trips and little special occasions and then he bought one cigar lounge in like 2015 and then got a second location and then left the cigar business and then came back into it in 20 something five years 2016 i'm a little off on the other shop timelines but yeah <laughs> kind of been in the cigar lounge since the i think 2010 i want to say sorry okay but yeah that's cool all around like in lynchburg or in like all like where else like where in Lynchburg, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So it's always been there. Is that is that where you grew up? Yep, this is where I grew up. Okay. What was that? What was that like? No, it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know. It it was such a small town when I was growing up here. Um, and then now there's like a lot of universities, so it's a lot bigger. There's like a downtown area now, and there's shopping, and there wasn't anything when I was growing up. So it was a lot of hanging out in parking lots and hanging out in the car and <laughs> but going going to the going to the movies and yep. <laughs> there's worse exactly. things. There's there's worse yeah, things. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> oh, um so I I guess I I guess I know the, re the reason why for this next question. So the last few years before you actually returned to your hometown, mm -hmm. um you uh you were uh in the, the 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 Big Apple, you were in New York. I was. I was in New York City for three years. So I I can take a guess why you ended up there, but I mean, is that yeah. is my assumption correct? You just had you just wanted to get away, get get uh, get some get some different life perspective and some different experience, or what? Yeah, pretty much. I just kind of I like I've traveled quite a bit around the United States and whatnot, and I just started to notice how small my hometown really looked just everyone was just the same to me at one point I'm just like everywhere I go I'm like everyone looks exactly the same <laughs> and everybody's just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and I was like I, I gotta do something else I gotta get out of here <laughs> I gotta be around people that want to do different things and just different kinds of people just a different environment and I'd been to New York City a couple times and I just loved it and I kind of just snapped one day and was like I'm moving. I'm going to do it. And then with when I had that thought within three months, I was in New York City, found a job, sold my car, figured it out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So so you so you end up in New York. So you like there was no there was no plan. You didn't go. You didn't have a job or anything like that. You just like, I want to I want to go. I want to pick up and move to New York. Yeah, I did end up getting a job like a few weeks before I moved so that was nice okay okay a little less stressful yeah and I had yeah. a, a friend that lived there in his apartment he's like a traveling musician he was going to be gone for two months so they let me take his apartment while I looked for an apartment so it just kind of worked out oh wow that's 
man that's totally kismet that's cool yeah. that worked out Definitely. um i like just hearing about the situation is kind of causing me anxiety and stress like hey you have a job like a place to live like what do we do <laughs> uh but that's 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 awesome still though um did yeah. you end up did did you end up uh what what part of town did you end up like living in so my first year i was in gowanus brooklyn and then the last two years i was in the upper east side in the okay city. yeah yeah when covid hit prices dropped like crazy so i was able to actually move into the city and move walking distance to work so took advantage <laughs> there you go i was so you so you moved you moved just before covid right i did i only had like okay. six months before covid hit but i got a lot in before that that's good um what was that what was that okay so i again just a few months and everything to kind of really take it in what was that like like because obviously like even post-covid new york is so much different than pre-covid new york yeah um like what what was that what was that experience like like pre-covid yeah it was wild and everybody would ask me like how are you adjusting how are you adjusting you're coming from a small town i just immediately felt i was in (laughs) i didn't I had to adjust to like the subway system and time management, I suppose, but I wasn't really scared of anything. I was just really mm-hmm. excited, but I guess it was just something every single night, all night long. That's what pre-COVID was like, whereas now still some things kind of close earlier. There's not a like, there's still, of course, 24 hour places, but not mm-hmm. as much as there used to be. So that was really what was different i guess is it was like a constant busy city whereas now yes. you can walk down the street at midnight and it's busy but like if you didn't live there pre-covid you would think yeah it's not that busy out so the the city that never sleeps finally went to bed huh i did it went to bed <laughs> oh, um i just imagine that like i i mean i love i love public transportation i just got back from a trip from europe and i i was reminded about how much i love public transit and especially when it like works yeah and is relatively efficient yeah so i did was like so did you mostly use subways or like did you like use like did you use bus lines and taxis or anything like that like what, what what was your favorite mode of transportation well, my favorite was a taxi, but it's not always the most financially stable option. <laughs> but so I used to take the subway all the time. And then, but once COVID hit, like after the first few months of COVID and people started going out, people just got crazier. And I had three bad experiences in one week on the subway and decided I was done. And I started taking buses, which takes longer, but it's still so worth it. I mean, every once in a while I take the subway if it really was going to take that long to get somewhere, but I tried to avoid it. Started taking the bus. I prefer the bus. So give me an idea. Like I'm totally like speaking from ignorance here. Like, so like if from point A to point B on a subway takes, I don't know, 15 minutes, let's just say like, what's that bus? What is that? What is that equal to in bus bus time? I mean, so if I was from the Upper East Side and I'm going all the way down to Davidoff, like by the World Trade Center, it would take me about 40 minutes on the train. Okay. On a bus, it could probably take an hour and 20. Oh, wow. Depending. And depending on what traffic is like, because, yeah. 
And if you, you know, and if you took your own car, that's like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even try to have a car there. <laughs> that's bad. Uh, I can't. My sister, my sister actually lives uh, in New York and she works, she works, she works at the, the Whitney uh, Museum. Okay. So um, she worked at, she actually worked at the, uh, the Met for a while. Um, oh, sweet. I used to live right by it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, she, she, she lives in Pearl River. Just outside the city, so she has like a heavy commute and everything. Yeah. Um, but um, she gets to work from home now, especially because of COVID. So a little bit okay. more. But that's uh, I I I think that the idea of living in a big city like that sounds really exciting to me. But I just like recently last year moved out to the country, and I really like the quiet. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize how much I like the quiet until we got here. I know so. what you mean. Yeah, I. I do too, honestly. I was really, I was like the last years of my 20s. I want to do something fun and crazy. And for some reason, as soon as I hit 30, I was like, I'm done. I just want to sit down in the quiet. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that was, that's something I would ask is like, you went from New York and then you come back home. Uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, it was obviously familiar. I mean, you grew up there and everything, but I mean, like, like specifically the sound, like, was it, was it like super ultra quiet? Like, did it like, yes, like startle you almost? How? Yes. Every time I went downtown, I'm usually with my mom, we go everywhere. And I would be like, it's like anytime I would visit too, I'd be like, what's going on? Like something going on is like, is it a holiday? Is everything closed? Why is it so quiet? She's like, it's because you live in New York. (laughs) You're not used to it. (laughs) I'm like, no, it's like creepy quiet. (laughs) I'm getting used to it now though. Yeah. So what what was the job that, uh, that you got before you moved up there? It was actually with the ASPCA. Oh, okay. Okay. We're going to be talking yeah. about a little bit more about that. I, I, I knew you, like, what you were for that. I, eventually I didn't know if that, that was the job. Yep, so, that was uh, the job. so how'd you, how'd you score that? You just like, like indeed interviewed and it like worked out or like what, like. Yeah. I mean, I was, when I was at that point where I was like, I have to get out of here. I was listening to, I was really into this podcast called, I don't know if I can unf your brain is what it's called. Right. <laughs> And um, she kind of just talks about like thought work and re- like creating your own life with your own thoughts and creating your own emotions with your own thoughts. And there was just one episode where she was like, there's so many people have imposter syndrome. Like they don't think they're good enough for something. And mm-hmm. she was like, if you want a new job, apply for jobs that you don't think you're qualified for and you'll be surprised. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I saw this one job and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get it. But what's the worst they're going to say? No, yeah. who cares? And I applied for it and they interviewed me and they loved me and I got the job. <laughs> That's awesome. What was your like? So what 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 was your role with ASPCA? I managed the medical department for the adoption center. Oh, so yes. Uh, yeah. I had like a team cool. of eight people and all of the animals that come through adoption, they have to be medically evaluated before they can get ready for adoption. And then we just give them their medical treatments until they're ready to be adopted. That's exciting. That's a, what a cool role. I I met, I bet, I bet it had to, I bet you had some really great days and I bet you had some really bad days though in that role. Yeah epically <laughs> what epically did so. did you like did you, have you always been an animal lover i mean where did like what gave you the inkling to to say hey i'm, I'm gonna apply for this job 
Yeah, well, I've um, worked in the veterinary field. So growing up, I worked in restaurant industries and veterinary hospitals. So I had some experience with like office management and being a technician and surgery and all that. So I did have the experience. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say that that doesn't sound so far-fetched after all. Okay. (laughs) I know. Now that I think about it. (laughs) um, Did you did you uh, did you go to university for any of that stuff or like did you go to college at all or? No, I did like an online certification for veterinary practice management, but mm-hmm. I kind of learned that I could work my way up without school and I have. So I congratulations for money. <laughs> yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. I uh, I paid off my student loans like a couple of years ago. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to you for not having to endure that pain. Um because it's 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 brutal, not gonna lie. Yeah. Um <laughs> But um, so you get to New York, you've got this this cool position uh, and everything. Um, you know, it was kind of on inspiration from listening to a podcast and everything. I mean, yeah. Did so? Did you take the advice again? It was just like I'm. I'm just going to start a podcast. Like, is that is that how it kind of happened, or what? What was the uh, what was the story there? Yeah, I guess I kind of. Well, it was also during COVID, and I didn't get to hang out at the cigar lounges in New York. I'm like, that's kind of a reason I came here too. <laughs> and I just missed talking to people. And I also just wanted to get better at talking to people. Cause I always felt like I was a little shy and it's hard to make friends in New York city alone, let alone during COVID. And I was just kind of like, felt like I was declining, not talking to my kind of people and yeah I got to go to work because we were essential and I still went to work and I could talk to people but it was just hard not talking to my friends or not talking about cigars it's just I just wanted to start something that I could learn more about that and also I was thinking back to I wondered if I could do a podcast and I thought back to my childhood when I wanted to do two things. I wanted to be a journalist or I wanted to be in the veterinary field and I conquered the veterinary thing. And I was like, you know, I always wanted to be like a journalist in a way, but the reason I I looked into the reason I wanted to be a journalist is because I've always been obsessed with other people's culture and religion and traditions and I just want to learn about everyone all over the world so then it was just kind of a duh moment like duh that's what cigar smokers are they're from all over the world and we all have this one thing in common so I was like this makes sense I'm gonna try it and I did it and it's been incredible it's been so much fun I've met the coolest people I I really like that. I mentioned this at the very beginning, how I really love the concept. Uh, and I was, I, I, I honestly can't, I think I just, I honestly think I just randomly stumbled upon your podcast one day and I read the, I think I read the description. I was like, Oh, this sounds, this sounds right up my alley. Uh, because that's what we try to do on this show is to talk about, you know, we, we talk, we nerd out about cigars and we nerd out about the tobacco and I can do that for days with anybody. Um, but what really fascinated me all the time with the individuals in the industry that I have the opportunity to interview is just like, I, I really want to know the answer to this question. And I really want to know the answer to this question. And like, how did they grow up and why, why were they this way and who their father was, you know, we, there's so many multi, multi-generational things. And, and you're a prime example of that too. You're a second generation tobacconist too, which is kind of cool. Or third, was your grandfather also a tobacconist too? 
Yeah. And okay, so third. Actually, okay. it goes back. My dad was looking into our family history and he found tax records from, I think, his great, 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 great grandfather or something like that in the 1800s. There were tax records that showed our, someone in our family called Jacob Ott sold $18,000 in cigars one year, oh, wow. $80,000 in cigars one year. That's what's so like, oh my gosh. <laughs> This has been going on for much longer than we ever thought. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's so, always been so able to find. We don't know if they grew it or if they just sold them, but yeah, we've been selling tobacco in this family since the 1800s, apparently. So you're so multi generations back in Virginia too, right? Like, did like is that that, that was th- the records he found were in Pennsylvania, which is where okay. my dad grew up. Okay, so that makes up. sense too. Yeah. I was going to say Virginia, Pennsylvania. Those, those, I mean, big tobacco producing states right. i mean going back so that that makes sense that's cool yeah i was actually going to ask you if you happen to know if you were related to the the, the baseball player mel ott oh uh, <laughs> um no i'm related to the baseball player ed ott who played for the pittsburgh pirates oh okay yeah <laughs> wow but okay. not Mel Ott. no okay i know it's interesting i've never met anyone with my last name like in person Oh, except yeah. for family, obviously. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never met anyone with that last name, and I've been seeing it lately. Like on this one true crime podcast I like, there was someone Daniel Ott, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, do you know the etymology of your like the family? Like, is it like is it like British or like like Germanic or I mean, do you know anything about that? I know my last name is German. And I think that's what okay. originally my dad was like trying to look into. Um, and then he got distracted by the cigar thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, on my mom's side, um, her great grandmother came from Spain to Cuba, then to Florida. And on that side of my family, too, my grandfather worked in the cigar industry for Tampa Nuggets. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like on both sides of the family. <laughs> oh, that's, that's totally right. That's awesome. Wild. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Um, well, so yeah, I mean that—that's kind of what I really liked about it was just like there, there's like these multi generational people, yeah. and then even like and even people who are not like that's even more interesting to me. It's like, well, how did you how did you come to this? Like, I'm not. You know, my father my father smoked cigarettes. He never, you know, he never, as far as our as far as I know, still has never smoked a cigar. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a he I always wanted to share one with him but um you know he's been sick for a number of years now and so I I think I missed my missed my window I think uh which unfortunate but um Mm -hmm. but um yeah I I, it's just one of those things that's always kind of fascinated me a little bit about it which is like the stories then the stories that you found are really great before we kind of jump into some of these I really wanted to go back to uh, again, your time in New York and everything. So, w- did you work in any cigar lounges, or were you just like a you know a, a, a regular or a, or what? I did. I worked at Davidoff. So the Davidoff location at the Brookfield Place Mall. It's right by like the Twin Tower Memorial, all that like down by the river. Yeah, okay. there's three locations. Well, two locations and then one in Brooklyn too. But yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was. That, that I, because I went through the Davidoff training course. So that's pretty intense stuff. Like, um, it is. um, 
going into it because again you you'd had this background with your father and everything like that when you kind of went into some of those courses like was it like was it really were you like really fascinated were you overwhelmed of like I I, I was a mixture of both for me I'm going to confess I'm just gonna be honest right I definitely was too to because to be honest like my cigar experiences has been in small like homey family-owned cigar lounges I'd never really ventured out to other cigar lounges yet I've looked up and read a lot about them but I wasn't really I like the boutique cigars so I kind of never seen a cigar lounge like that to be honest it's just very luxury and beautiful um so yeah it was different but it was amazing I learned a lot and now I'm spoiled <laughs> well I think it's what's really great about Davidoff's you know da- you know Zeno Davidoff, uh, you know, created what ultimately became these elaborate and gorgeous, you know, places. Yeah. But what he what he birthed really was Pap Cigar Company, like the the homey shops right. that you're talking to that you grew up in, that I grew up in, wouldn't yeah. have existed if it hadn't been for that man. So, like the walking yeah. humidor, the 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 kind of customer service experience that you know that. Um, I was reading some, I was reading some of the reviews for Paps, I'm not going to lie, the other day. And it, it seemed, it was really cool to see like such, you know, positive, you know, things to be said that were very similar to some of the lounges that I worked in, like, you know, excellent customer service. Like you, you, you go in like you, one was really cool. He said, a guy walked in, he said, he's like, I walked in a stranger and I, I walked in a stranger and I walked out a regular. And that was the, that was the feeling that he had. And I was like, man, I was like, this sounds like my kind of place. I can't wait to yes. visit. There's like one of our lounge members got a tattoo of Pap Cigar on his leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's a good place. So an- another place that you frequented, did you ever work at Barclay Rex? I know it's like one of your favorite spots. No, I never actually worked there. We tried to get me working there, but then I started working for Davidoff and Davidoff didn't want me working for another cigar lounge while I worked for them. So I never actually ended up working there. I just did my podcast there and she was my very first interview. I found a woman that owned a cigar lounge in New York City and I was like, I need you to be my first episode. (laughs) She was so awesome. She was in my most recent episode too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. That was, I, I just was a regular there and I did my podcast there and met my favorite people there. It was really cool how you kind of went full circle. Cause I remember that first episode and candidly, that wasn't the first one I listened to. Okay. I'll talk about the first show that I was, <laughs> I'll talk about the first show that I listened to here in a second, but yeah. I went back and listened to that one. And then the most recent one, which was the, uh, it was an event. It was a brief, it was a brief episode you did uh, for the right. SOTL global movement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course the proprietor of Barclay Rex was there, uh, the entire, uh, SOTL global movement team lefty. And I forgot the other co-founder, uh, help uh, me out Anastasia. here. Anastasia. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and it was hosted, uh, by, by Hiram and Solomon, which is also yeah. co-owned by a, a female as well. Exactly. Um, but it was really cool. Cause I, as you were kind of like going around the room and people were just talking about their experiences, it was a really nice eclectic mix. You think SOTL. Okay. So sisters of the leaf. Okay. This is going to be, I was like, Oh, we're going to hear from women. And we certainly did. Yeah. Uh, but there were some gentlemen there that were really like excited and, 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 and yes, to be there for that event specifically. And it was, I was, I don't know why 
I was taken aback by it, but I was in a yeah. really positive way. I think it was really cool. Like, what was the live vibe while you were there when you weren't recording, I guess? Oh, I just, I couldn't stop smiling. It was just so cool. Everyone was just happy to be there and excited to be there. And I was excited because I got to be back in New York and I'm looking around the room and at all these different people. And I'm like, God, I miss this. <laughs> different people, <laughs> different kinds of people in one room. It's just great. It was, it was a lot of fun. So the, the first show that I listened to and, and, and uh, to my audience, if you want to go back to Ashes with Ash, uh, it's, it's titled Liam's Love Story. And Liam is, uh, I guess, just, just he's an ordinary cigar consumer. Um, but his story of cigars, I mean, absolutely hooked me. I was in it like, like, and, you know, with all respect to Liam, like he's a, he's an, he's, he's an, he's a layman. He's a nobody. Like, I mean, he's not anyone particularly special. He's like any other, you know, cigar consumer, um, walks in and out of a shop and, and, uh, but he has this really, you know, romantic story about his involvement with cigars and his wife is a part of that too. And, uh, it was just really, really cool. How did you find him? And like, I mean, I mean, that, that show went on for a long time. I mean, it was a pretty long show and it was a pretty cool story. Yeah. And I met him through Instagram. He started following my podcast and just started talking to me. And he was like, Hey, like my wife smokes cigars with me and just thought it was, I guess he thought it was cool that a woman was doing a cigar podcast and just kind of reached out to me for that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to talk to you guys. (laughs) And I have like zoomed with them before and talked to both of them, but didn't record it. So, but I got to do it with her on it one day. Cause they're just the funnest people. They're so fun and just so kind and they just love smoking cigars and enjoying it together. It is like just the cutest little love story. <laughs> the, we talked about it right before the show started. And there's a part that I wanted you to tell the, my audience about the, the, the pie thing. Um, yes. So talk a little bit about that. Cause I thought that was one of the funniest things. And I can't believe right? it's a thing. I can't believe it's a thing. And I, I kind of want to be a part of it. Go, go ahead and uh, enlighten my audience. Well, they just every year grown adults by the way (laughs) which is the best part every year they have a pie fight with their friends they literally just set up i think in their backyard and just have this massive pie fight with their friends (laughs) i'm like i want to do that (laughs) i need to do that gosh this sounds so much fun even just a food fight let's have a food fight Isn't that awesome? That's I mean, it sounds cool. I mean, my my children get into a food fight every day, so I'm I'm kind of in the thick <laughs> of it. But I'd like the idea of, of I'd like the idea of the giving them the opportunity to throw a pie at me, maybe me returning the favor. That'd be kind of fun. So right? it's just like <laughs> such a great idea for a party. <laughs> That's really cool. And it uh um and he he kind of walked through like all these individual experiences like at different lounges that he had been a part yeah. of like he was really a part of like there was these really nice i can't remember the name of the the club or whatever he said i, I think it actually had closed but they had had really great cigar rooftop dinners or something like that that right. he was a part of for like and um it was just it was it was really ref- I, just from an audience perspective for me, Ash. It was it was just really it was a really fun exp- perspective. Just like listening to someone fall in love with cigars, and that's really what right. the whole thing was. And I was like, yeah. I'm so fucking hooked on this show now. This is great. Yes. And, yeah. And you you do that like every episode. You 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 find these people 
some, you know, you've interviewed some people in the industry too. Like what, what I, you know, my weekly guests, uh, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, like Jeremy from cause Dagley, you interviewed Michael Herklotz, which was a great interview. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but, um, recently you mentioned how like you've been kind of on this, this really great run of, of interviewing some fantastic women in the industry. Um, and you said that that's kind of been your thing lately. Has like, was that your goal initially to interview mostly women or you just kind of wanted to explore stories, as you said? Yeah, it really wasn't my goal initially. I initially wanted to just go to different cigar lounges and find my idea was I wanted to go to different cigar lounges in New York City and ask them who their most interesting regular customer was and interview them. But then, of course, I realized that it's COVID and they're not really open like that. And then I also realized there's not actually a whole lot of cigar lounges in New York. There's only like 10, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, so when I was looking at cigar lounges, I found Barclay Rex. And then that was my first interview. She's a woman who owns, it's woman owned and run. And then after I interviewed her and I was like, I wonder how many other women are in the industry. And just kind of like that got me going. Like I want to start interviewing more women. So that's kind of where it came from. Well, what I thought was really cool is that you've done two interviews with two people that I've happened to know um that don't step in front of the camera too often and that's like nicole from smoking tobacco she got more she got more involved uh as the show has kind of gone on but early on she was much more in the background then jessica too from cigar prop um who i think she i think you know i think she's i think she's fascinating um i mean what was your what was your approach to some of these people that like and and that's the other thing that kind of fascinates me too actually like like I can, you know, I have the the ability to research my my guests because you know, at some point they did some kind of press or there's there's some kind of public information that's out there about their brand or about who they are, and so I have that going for me. Um, yeah. But you have this really unique approach as you talked about. So, like, how how do you prepare for like an interview or like what's like what do you go into the interview with? Um, to kind of, I guess, I don't know, like, what's the, what's the goal or what, how do you, what's your approach to these individual interviews and stuff? Yeah, I guess, I mean, I go in with like a basic set of cigar questions. How'd you get into it? What's your favorite? That kind of thing. But I kind of like get those questions out of the way because I want to ease into just getting to know them and their story. I just, (laughs) I want to know everything about them. so yeah, I kind of just go into that. And then once we get a little bit more comfortable and then we just kind of get into their life and I do prepare a little bit, I'll look at their social media, see if they work for another company or what they do for a living. So I kind of like social media stalk them a little bit to see if I can come up with more questions or if there's something that I hadn't seen before and I want to ask them about it. Um, so yeah, I do a little bit of research, but yeah, most of the time it's just kind of like you said, just regular people that don't work in the industry or anything like that. And they just kind of smoke. So I kind of just 
wing it a little bit. <laughs> That's really what I want it to feel like too. It's just a conversation, you know, like this mm-hmm. feels like a conversation. I love this rather than like an interview. Um, so that's kind of my goal is to just have a conversation, not try not to make it too interviewee, I guess. I, I, I tend to call my, my shows like, that's why it's called a take. Like, I don't really call, I don't, yeah, I don't really, I mean, I interview the people, but like, I, I always call them conversations because they kind of are. Um, and you know, there's some that I've had that have been my favorites, um, over the years. And I, I talk about this all the time and I, I, I. I love the, I love this job just cause I love, I love the ability to talk to people. Like you said, it's kind of, I think we're kindred spirits that way. Like it just totally. having that conversation with people and um, uh, my, my two, two of my most favorite interviews that I've ever done is with the same person was with Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley. And I'm not just saying that cause his, his company's name is behind me, but it was, <laughs> I, he was the guy before his, before his company's name was behind me. He was the guy I wanted to interview because he had such, there was this, this, this paradoxical moment in his career, this, this, this transcendent climax that was really interesting. He had built his cigar company from nothing. He came from, you know, the milk, literally the nuts and bolts and hinges industry, you know, fasteners. That's what his father did. And he started a cigar brand failed and then started another one, Alec Bradley named after his sons and built it into what he, you know, sold to STG earlier or later last year uh, or earlier this year, rather. And, uh, and um, he, along the way, he ended up getting the cigar aficionado number one cigar of the year for the Prince Sato. I don't know if you remember. So, yeah. and it, after that, it, it failed miserably because of like some mistakes that he candidly admitted. And what was really interesting it was like about 18 months 24 months later he ended up doing this like tell-all interview with cigar aficionado and basically how he screwed up wow and how he was going to fix it and his dedication to fixing it and it was a a mia culpa that was really fascinating me i was just like i was like but there were so many questions that were left unanswered to me like yeah. i was like i wanted to why did he decide to do that like why did he feel that that was necessary like what did his family think and like just a few more things that I wanted to go deeper with. And I had the opportunity to interview him um, the first time. And, and it was this like deep dive into him. And it was just like one of the best conversations I've ever had. And then yes. uh, as, as it happened, like two weeks before he officially sold the company, he couldn't talk about it. And I had heard whispers, but I couldn't ask him about oh, it right. either. He, I got to sit with him again right before he sold the company officially. And it, if you go back and listen to it with the knowledge that like two weeks later, he's selling the company. Yeah. It, it's a fascinating listen, not to brag, but it, it just being like, it's not about me at all. It's about him, like why it's fascinating. And it's just, a, it's a yeah. really great listen. And it was one of my two favorite conversations that I've ever had. Uh, and very similar to tonight, another one of my favorites is like you and I have had, this is the longest conversation that you and I have had. Yeah. Um, and I had a similar, since what I met, who I would consider one of my best friends in the industry, Miguel Shodell of Crowned Heads, I met him on this show. Him. Um, I yeah. you know, reached out to him. I was like, hey, I really want to interview you. Here's why. And came on my show and like, we just like instantly clicked because we like love baseball and you know, U.S. presidents and things like that. And it was just Sweet. <laughs> really 
I know. Don't you love that? I've met the coolest people just being like, hey, come be on my show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. So, um, so back to uh, just a couple of like the, some of the shows that you've done, I wanted to talk to you about. So like we talked about how, you know, you've, you've interviewed consumers and you've had some really great conversations there, but um, was the, I have to ask this, was the Michael Herklotz interview planned or what did he just happen to be at Barclay Rex that day? Well, he just happened to be at Barclay Rex the day before. And then I was like, can I interview you before you leave? And he was like leaving the next day. And he was like, yes, if you wake up early, (laughs) we could do it. (laughs) So yeah, I went to interview him and I, I, I need to interview him again because I don't feel like the sound quality was great. Like the background music was too loud and it just, it bothers me. I hate listening to that. Episode. I mean, it's a great episode. He's awesome, but mm-hmm. I just, the sound quality bothers me a little bit, but it's all right. But I'll I, I like that. That's why I was wondering if it was just kind of like spur of the moment, because you've done that. Yeah. Like you, you, you kind of take mm-hmm. your equipment you've done that a few shows like that where you kind of just take your equipment and you just kind of turn the mic on yeah, and kind of let it ride. Your first anniversary show was very similar to that, right? It was like some pipe yeah. event that you just happened to yeah. be at. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does, is that nerve wracking at all that like that, that thing's really kind of planned and it, it, or, or is it just like, that's, that's kind of where you live in. Cause that's what you've always wanted with the direction of the show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not really nerve wracking to me. I get like really excited. Uh, there's nothing I get more excited about than doing a podcast. It, like every time right before one, I'll get a little nervous and I'm like, oh, should I cancel? Like, should I do something? But I always do it. And then afterwards I'm like, lo- I'm like, hi, I feel like I'm high. Like it just, it's the best feeling. It's so much fun. And I don't know why I ever get nervous beforehand anymore, but I still do. But I know it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so silly. But yeah, I guess not planning can be a little bit nerve wracking because I do like to research a little bit so I can come up with more questions. But I guess with someone like Michael Herkla, it's like he's such a great talker, like mm-hmm. <laughs> interviewer, like he's so good at it already. So it's just kind of a little bit easier. So I guess if it was someone random and I didn't have all the questions I really wanted or needed and I didn't do enough research, I might be a little bit more nervous, but he's just so easy to talk to and has a really cool story. So I just I wasn't too nervous about that one, I guess. Uh, the first time I interviewed him, I got I got dressed up because that's like his thing. Right. Um, <laughs> and I got I you know put on a jacket and a tie and everything. It was September here in Texas or October, rather. And so it was a little bit more comfortable for me. And then the second time I interviewed him was uh, was after the uh, 2021 PCA trade show when we actually went back. Um, and uh, and it you know it's the middle of summer here, and so I yeah. was wearing a T-shirt like I am now. And he was like, yeah. and he and he got dressed up that night because he didn't dress up the first time. <laughs> Cause I get, and I gave him shit about it the first time he's like, Hey, you gave me shit about this. And then look at you now. I was like, dude, it's 110 degrees outside. Man. Yeah. You're lucky that I'm wearing clothes at this point. Seriously. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a fantastic conversationalist. He's got some amazing yeah. stories too. He does. Um, you know, I mean, all the time he spent retail in New York. Right. Um, and 
Um, he's got some fascinating. And I thought, you know, it's funny you said that, like that I thought the raw audio quality and the rawness of that interview was just really good. Like I, I, okay, I, um, I, I think it was a vibe. Like, yeah, I, I do like some of those interviews. You can kind of hear the lounge in the background because that's what this is. We're sitting in a lounge with our friends. Like, that's what I, I like it. But I feel like the music was just too loud a little bit. But otherwise, it was good. <laughs> well, you got some. You got some pretty great equipment, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had. I was using my Yeti microphone, and my dad got me the Samsung one. I really love it. It just gives really direct. Mm-hmm sound quality yeah so i like that when i'm just but the yeti is helpful if you're doing like a group thing or sitting just next to each other or something like that yeah what are you using for headphones because actually i forgot my headphones today but i just have some cheap headphones honestly oh, okay. they're like 10 bucks i use them for everything i love it <laughs> yeah nice. nothing special with my headphones just just the microphone see yeah good quality microphone gives you everything that you need for sure. It's so true. <laughs> so, um, how's that cigar finishing up for you? It's still really awesome. It's getting a little bit leathery now, which is my favorite tasting note is leather. That's why I like that domain. Do you get leathery mm. out of that a little bit? I do. I do. Yeah. I, yeah. it's, um, this cigar blend for, for all its nuance and, 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 uh, subtleties it has some really brilliant complexity to it. And I just, I really adore it. It's fantastic. Um, I, uh, I will miss them when they are gone finally, but I have plenty still, so it's going to be okay, fine. Good. It's going to be fine. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be okay for a little bit. Um, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so what's, um, like, what do you, like, what are your goals for like the rest, like for, I guess for the next year, you just celebrated two years, like you said, like, yeah. what's your goals for, like, the next year as far as, like, the show? Like, what do you want to accomplish with it? And like, do you want to just keep doing what you're doing? Is there any different different things that you want to do with it? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, I kind of just honestly want to keep doing what I'm doing and just try to – I have a goal to start being more consistent. Because <laughs> I know sometimes I do one every two weeks, every week, and then sometimes it's every month. So I do have a goal of being more consistent and putting one out every week because, and I just, I want to go, I want to travel more places. I'm going to the PCA. I want to start going to events everywhere and maybe start interviewing people at the events or meeting them and then interviewing later, whichever one work, whichever works out. I just want to, my goal is to be consistent putting out weekly episodes and just constantly talking to people. (laughs) How many have you done now? Like, what's the, what's the count? That's a great question. I don't know. I can look. (laughs) I know it's more than 20. And that was that reason I was going to say that is uh, my, my, my good friend and partner on Scarcoot primetime special edition. When I started this project, he said, like, he's like, Hey, if you, if you just stay consistent, you do it, you keep doing it. Like that's, that's, that's the main problem with some of these is. is they they fall off and he says if you hit 20 you're gonna be a hundred times more successful than than a majority of the majority of the shows out there and so when i hit 20 it was like a big deal and like here we are this is our 254th episode it's crazy so i mean been doing this almost six years on just this show um that's amazing six years wow yeah it's 
it's been quite the ride. It's been quite the ride. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. I think I have about 50 episodes. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I know it's more, it's well more than 20. Yeah. I, I remember somebody told me people don't go past episode 13. So when I got to episode 14, I was like, I did it. I made it. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> well, I think what's really, um, and, and your show has evolved a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. what I really want to give you some props is that it, it it's kind of, and kind of what you were talking about earlier, what your mission was, it's kind of stayed, it's kind of stayed there. Mine, mine evolved rather quickly from what I initially wanted it to be. I wanted it to be really, and everyone's going to laugh at this now because I'm known for like these really long interviews yeah, and shows. I, mine one, I wanted it to be abbreviated, like choppy. Uh. And it just, I realized like there were like, we'd I'd sit there with somebody and they would just keep talking. And I wasn't going to shut them up. Yeah, and then yeah. so it kind of went from you know thirty minutes to an hour, and then an hour came became two hours, and you know I've had shows that have gone longer than that too, and it's just been, um, but you know when you're when you're having great conversations with people, it's just kind of hard not to 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 stop. You I know. know, yeah, exactly. And Which I is, had one interview. I don't know if you heard Princess yet. Yeah. There's three, there's three. Oh, three. That's right. Yeah, yes. I was going to say. We actually talked for five hours. I had to cut it way down. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even mean to. We were just sitting there smoking, talked for five hours. It was great. <laughs> this, I think this is going to get a little This might bore my audience a little bit, but what I really I do dig about yours is you, uh, you, you have, I, I have later on when people listen to this podcast like i have bumper music and i but i don't do an introduction and you you always do an introduction to each interview which i find which is you know that's not unheard of a lot of there are a lot of podcasts that do it that way but not really not really any in this industry i think you're like one of the only ones that i know about that do an introduction um why did you decide to do that i'm just curious i actually well it was more i did it based on my nerves (laughs) so like most interviews they'll introduce the person in the podcast like they'll be on the call with them already and I always I I guess I started it because I got a little bit afraid I was gonna introduce something wrong or uh, I don't know it's just it felt weird introducing them when I wanted to just sit there and have a conversation I want to do the introduction and the outro later and focus on just immediately talking to this person rather I mean I know it only takes like a few seconds but it just it felt weird to me to do it I guess well I I think I I I know what you're talking about because I, I dig I mean I obviously introduce people it, yeah. for the show i mean you were part of that you know a little while ago but um i really like because like you do this introduction that's that's obviously post-recorded and you right. drop it in and then um and then the show starts and it's it's it, it's kind of like we pick up in the middle of the conversation almost yeah. a little bit and i i don't know why but i i just dig it i think it's it's just yeah. it has this really really natural feel um, I think it also helps with getting to know what the episode's about to be about. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I don't do too in-depth intros, but sometimes I do. And I think it helps you get ready to be like, oh, this episode's going to be about this. That sounds cool. And then we kind of go into talking. But yeah, mostly I just want it to feel 
like just a conversation because I've had like a few people because I'm I ask people to be on my podcast that may have never been on a podcast or interviewed at all before so I've had a lot of people get nervous so like I don't know I've never done that before that makes me really nervous and so I kind of like the approach that I took of just being like no we're just going to jump on and talk and smoke like yeah. I don't want it if it feels weird to you that it feels like an interview or anything like that don't worry about it like I really just want to get to know you and I want other people to know your story so yeah I've had a few people that have been nervous their first timers or something like yeah. that or like uh Karen Berger um yeah. who's uh um you know was a great interview um and she was really nervous because her you know you know English is her second language right and you know she I had her um national sales manager uh brian diggins with uh, at the time was on with her to kind of just make her feel more comfortable and um but that was a great interview but yeah she was i was like i was just like hey it's just a conversation between you and i like that's all it is and um and it was great it was it was it was fantastic she's got a beautiful story um you know i've heard um and you know i mean her entire philosophy and career and journey is all about honoring her late husband which is you know but she's created this legacy all on her own and while it is in honor of you know her late husband it she's she's still created something that's truly unique and that is definitely because i mean i smoked some of her husband's stuff and her stuff is just a completely different expression and wow. you can tell that it's her, yeah. that it's her, it's, her it's hers, it's yeah. hers. Yeah. And it's, that's what I really dig about it. Um, her story in particular. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, um, we're, we're going to wrap up a couple other things about your show and, and your journey a little bit here and a little bit later, but we're gonna take a quick break and go into some of my, what I call my fun segments. Um, so we're going to step into our presidential trivia segment. Don't worry. It's multiple choice. Okay. But I thought, uh, being the animal lover that you are former employee of ASPCA, we would talk a little bit about animals and us presidents. So, uh, let's go ahead and drop this in. So of course, tonight's, uh, presidential trivia segment is always brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke once a day and start living united as well as join me on for the journey for the next few days until July 4th. I started on June 14th on Flag Day and we, from June 14th to July 4th is exactly 20 days and I am making my way through a United Cigar Box, which is exactly 20 cigars, so it's perfect smoking a united cigar each day 20 uh hashtag 20 days of united cigars hashtag 20 days of freedom so check that out on my instagram at Fumar and join along and join grab a united cigar and uh smoke along with us uh so tonight's question uh ash is, is multiple choice um okay. so which president while serving in the military after a battle, discovered a dog that was actually belonged to the opposing commander, and he returned it under a banner of truce. Which president was this? Was it A. Dwight Eisenhower, B. Ulysses S. Grant, C. George Washington, or D. Rutherford B. Hayes? I have no idea. Let's see. 
I'm going to go with George Washington. See what happens. <laughs> and that is an excellent guess because that is the answer. Yes. So it was the Battle of Germantown. Okay. And, and uh, after after the battle, which the that George Washington actually won, it was one of the few victories he had. Um, in the a lot of people don't realize he had a losing record in the Revolutionary War. Um, a lot of people don't realize that because we ultimately won, and that's all that matters. It's only it's only treason if you lose. Let's just want to point that out. Um, but. <laughs> uh washington discovered this animal uh dog walking across the battlefield and it had a you know even had a collar on it back these back these days and it was a dog that belonged to general howe which was the opposing british commander and under a banner of truce he returned the dog and it was considered this unbelievable gesture um that and so there's uh there's actually believe it or not there's a child's storybook about this story that i've that that i own and i've read to my sons uh, and it, it's really cool. In the end, it has a picture, you know, it's portraits of both the how and Washington, of course, but it has a copy of the letter that accompanied oh, the dog. No so way. yeah, uh, in Washington's hand. And uh, it's, it, it was considered such a gesture. And this, the word of the story kind of even got back to the British people who were just, you know, obviously very upset at us American colonists for, you know, you know, just going against the crown and all this other stuff. But when they heard about George Washington and this huge gesture that they actually uh, came to revere him because of this, this wonderful humanitarian moment for him. So it's, it's a pretty cool story. I love Um, that. That's so cool. Washington himself was a really big dog lover. He owned like 36 dogs over his lifetime. Um, I feel like I knew that somehow. So some of my favorite names for pets I, I have to admit, George Washington knew how to name a dog. So th- some of the names that he had, his favorite dog was True Love. But oh. he also had another dog named Sweet Lips. <laughs> another one was named Vulcan. Mopsy, another favorite. Mopsy, I like Mopsy. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you I feel like you would name your dog Sweet Lips or True Love. That just seems like an ash name for a dog. I don't know. I mean, am I crazy? Right. I Are mean, you- no, I think you're right. <laughs> are, are you more of a are you more of a dog person or a cat person i mean i guess i'm more of a dog person okay i like cats but i like dogs the most <laughs> do you have any animals right now i do yeah my dog he's here with me he's sleeping over there okay yeah he's a little 12 year old lab mix i've got my dog here she's with me as well oh. she she's with me every show she sleeps at my feet too her name's Molly. She's a she's a lab mix as well. She's Aww. two years old, so she's a ball of energy still. I'm sure oh, yours yeah. is yours is a little lot. You know, yours is a little Mine bit does more. Not do anything anymore. <laughs> what's what's your dog's name? Riker. Riker. Okay. Yes, not named after the island. I didn't realize how weird that name was until I moved to New York. <laughs> did you take Riker with you? Was Riker with you in New York, or did you did he yeah. stay? Oh, okay. He's been everywhere with me. <laughs> Did you, did, I, I don't, this is again, my ignorance. Are you allowed to take dogs on the subway? Um, they say no, but yes. <laughs> so you, like if you look online, they're like, you can't do that. <laughs> but I never had a problem with it. And everybody else did. They say it has to be like small enough to put it in a bag, but. And obviously but, Riker, Riker is not that small. So. He's not, no. <laughs> did, um, did, did you ever, I, I'm sure you did. Did you ever take him to Central Park or anything? Oh yeah. I used to live. So I, I have one veterinary hospital I ended up working at 
was on the west side and I lived on the east side, but it was just straight across Central Park. So and he got to come to work with me every day. So we walked through Central Park. Oh, that's day, cool. Every day. Yeah. It was the best. I miss it. That was a good commute. <laughs> Did, have you ever had a cat? Have you ever owned a cat? Oh, yeah. I most when growing up, I mostly had uh, indoor outdoor cats. So like I I mean, even working, I know I work with animals, but I can't stand a litter box. Disgusting. It smells horrible. But right now I live with three cats <laughs> inside. They're my roommate's cat. I, I, <laughs> I have a cat as well. Uh, I am much more a dog person. Um, yeah. The thing that has saved my life, I hated litter boxes as well. Um, but um, got talked into one of those automatic litter boxes and they are a lifesaver. I need that. Yes. Oh. Lifesaver. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth the investment. It's expensive. I don't care. I it is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell I you, totally believe you. Cats are uh, gross, man. Tell your roommate that's what you want for Christmas. Okay. And and it'll be worth it for 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 them too. I promise. Yes. Yeah. She needs that because she never cleans it. Oh. Oh God. <laughs> oh. Tell me. I can smell it already. Oh my gosh, it was what when I first moved in there and I'd walk downstairs. I was like, ah, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Can't breathe. I can smell I can smell it through the screen. Oh god. I'm like, uh, nope, it doesn't even smell this bad in an animal hospital that I work at. <laughs> Fixing this. So no. yeah, now I clean it. <laughs> oh gosh. God bless you. Nuts. Um <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that was our presidential trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Out of Bay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Follow me on Instagram at Ellis Vumar for the 20 days of uh, United Cigars. Hashtag 20 uh, days of United Cigars. Hashtag 20 days of freedom. Join me along for this journey as I smoke a United Cigar each and every day, celebrating the 20 days from Flag Day, June 14th, to our nation's Independence Day on July 4th, and celebrate freedom together. So, um, but, you know, speaking about your love of animals and everything, and this is one of my favorite segments I do on the show. Each week I ask my guests to uh, pick a charity or nonprofit of their choosing. And it's pretty obvious which one you decided to choose, which was, of course, was the ASPCA. So obviously you worked for them for a, uh, for a few years in New York. And uh, uh, obviously, certainly no love lost because you chose them tonight. So you obviously have a strong passion for it, but, uh, but tell us a little bit about why you uh, chose the ASPCA and why, uh, you know, even after working for them, you still believe in the organization and what it means. I love it. I love the organization. Yeah. So. But. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, everybody kind of sees the ASPCA, you see those really sad commercials and you're like, why would you do that to me? Um, but you kind of think that they just, it's just like an animal shelter, just like any regular animal shelter. And while they do have regular animal shelters, I didn't realize until working there how much they actually, <clears throat> they do and how many different ways that they help animals. And one thing that's really important to me and why I am such an advocate for the ASPCA is um, they deal with a lot of dog fighting cases where these, and I won't go into detail, but I had to see videos and pictures of detail of these, they're not just being 
these dogs are not just fighting other dogs. They are being, if they don't win, they're being very brutally tortured and it's disgusting and horrifying. And you would not want to know exactly <laughs> how horrifying it is. And so they save these animals from these horrible situations and it's really difficult to get them back on track and they have entire teams dedicated to each section of all of this because there's a lot of moving parts we work with the police department and um it's a lot and then there's also hoarding cases as well um the ASPCA basically has social workers because hoarders it is a a mental illness so we really have people that work with the people in order to allow them to get them help and getting those animals into a safer environment yeah. um so yeah they just they do so much more and there's so many moving parts and they're all over the world and it's just a really important place to me and i had no idea how much animals were like really suffering until working there but yeah it's it's wild but yeah that's why it's really important to me it's a great organization um so yeah. i have two dogs i told you about molly she's at my feet my oldest dog um is in the other room uh and she uh she's 13 now um she was a hoarder's dog and when we got her um you know, and she was such incredibly timid um, and so many. So she uh, she's had so I mean, for years, she, we've we've battled uh, stomach issues because oh. she ate everything because, you know, yeah. and 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 I don't think the the hoarder that had her was like you said, it's an illness. I don't think it was yeah. they they didn't intend to abuse her. Like, of I don't course, think it was yeah. malicious. I think it was just it's like this like you said it's the sickness that they have and they can't yeah. care for these animals properly and then they end up you know really really hurting them and and luckily we were able to um you know we were able to rescue her and you know she's you know she's had a you know, she's had a decent life but i mean i mean even now like uh we had to have she had to have mouth surgery a few years ago where we had to extract you know about nine teeth because they were just rotted wow. and completely put out and you know that was after years of giving her proper nutrition yeah that's how those first few years were so bad for her exactly. um and important years yeah yeah and bless her heart like she's got because we extract all these teeth there was nothing supporting one of her front teeth and so it's like she's got this snaggle tooth now that just kind of sits Aww. out there and uh, it gets stained. Yeah, it's a little cute. It gets stained pretty bad because it's just in the. It's not you know right. teeth aren't teeth aren't meant to be exposed to right the air constantly and yeah and she falls asleep with her tongue hanging out and because oh. there's no teeth to hold them in. It's just kind of it's cute. It's cute, but it's sad and and I know. <laughs> she's, she's a great dog and um you know, I, she's, she has still has tremendous amount of energy. And I was like, man, she is one fast dog until we got Molly last year. We got her when she was one. And then I was like, Holy, I didn't know what energy was apparently. Yeah, you're right. And, but they, they keep each other energized and they have a good time together and, and they, they, they do really well. And they actually do really well with the cat too, which is nice. And um, yeah, I, I'll never, um, I will never not own uh a rescue animal 
Like I will never, right. I will never get an animal from an, anything else other than a rescue. Yeah. Like every, every single one of, we have a bunch, we have the, we call it a menagerie here. I have a tortoise, Russian box tortoise that was a rescue. Oh. I have a rabbit that's not doing so well, but she was a rescue. And then I have chickens that were rescues too. So, oh. um, you know, working in an animal hospital, so many people come in and they're like, I got this purebred dog. Like, how could he possibly be sick? I'm like, he's a dog. You didn't pay for a dog to not get sick. You yeah. just paid a bunch of money to make other people rich. <laughs> you didn't, <laughs> you're not paying for anything better. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of purebred, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of mutts as they, you know, they call a lot of these rescues, like, you know, Molly's not purebred, but she's a beautiful dog. Um, but she's not purebred, but it's the mutts that actually have better, typically better health because more purebred, yeah. like purebred German shepherds, for instance, have that horrible hips. hips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's happened. It, it's like one of those things that it, it's not, it's not if it's when. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Always. So, um, that's why I find it's interesting that people who want purebred animals, cause I'm like, gosh, man, you're just, you're, you're, you're asking for not trouble, but like eventual hardship of some kind. Yeah. And if, and if you're prepared for it, I suppose that's okay. But I just, there's so many animals out there, as you know, that just yeah. are in vile, you know, just desperate need for a home. Exactly. So many. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Um, if you're comfortable with, I think it's really important, Ash, I, and I, I hope I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much. I think it's really important to educate our audience on this. You said you didn't want to talk about it because it's just really gruesome. But would you mind sharing a little bit more detail about some of these dog fighting victims and like what, like some of the situations you rescue? I think it's really important. And if I'm yeah. putting you on the spot too much, no, don't. But I, I, I really want my audience to hear about this. Yeah. So no, not at all. I mean, I just don't know who wants to hear about it, but you're right. I do think it's important. I mean, with dog fighting cases, if the dog loses, I mean, first of all, when they want to create a dog, get one dog pregnant, they strap them to a table and let the other dog just come in. And I mean, they're dog fighting dogs. So they have to put a muzzle on them and they're aggressively trying to attack the female when she's strapped down, but also, you know, screwing her, <laughs> but they're also trying to attack them because they're trained to eat other dogs. So they have to like do all that. And then if you, if they don't win, some of them will hang the dogs. Some of them dip them in acid and some of them just completely mangle them. So when you hear of a dog fighting case, they're not just dogs being tortured by being attacked by other dogs. It's the humans that are doing the worst of it. And these dogs, it's, it's crazy. When they came into our work, they're really good with people. But if they go near another dog, it's, they're trained to just kill them. So it's really hard, especially in New York City. We usually have to try to find homes outside of the city because you can't walk that dog down the street. Right. And right. I mean, every dog that came in just had burn marks all over them. I mean, they'll burn them and beat them and whip them and just like it's disgusting. It's so inhumane. It's I 
I, I first learned more about dog fighting, you know, of course, with the whole Michael Vick case, you know, right. years ago, which was just horrifying to learn some of this stuff. It's just so it, you know, I've been a dog owner for, you know, since I graduated from college uh, and I had dogs growing up too, but they be, <clears throat> you know, that's when I really bonded with the dog, obviously, because it was just me and, and her at the time. Um, my first dog was Maya and uh, she was a rescue, of course. And um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine some of the things that people would do. And it was just, just disgusting, like you said. And it was just yeah. unbelievable. And it's all yeah. for profit. It's just all money. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just greed. I just don't, I can't, I just can't understand someone's tiny brain capacity, how they could even fathom doing any of that to a dog, mm -hmm. let alone just making them fight each other. But everything else, like, what is, how? <laughs> so there was this TV show that I was a fan of uh, while it was on um, called, I don't know if you've uh, heard of it, Sons of Anarchy. It was on oh, FX. Yeah. yeah. So there was an episode, a very graphic episode where they, uh, they weren't in the, the, the biker gang wasn't involved. In fact, they kind of broke it up um, a dog fighting ring. And um, it was a very, very gruesome, very gruesome scene with some of the dogs. But then outside the dog fighting arena, they just had like these dumpsters filled with dogs. And of course, they weren't real. Um, but they made them seem real. And it was a very graphic shot and disgusting, right? And it, it, they, Kurt Sutter, the, 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 the creator of the show, caught a lot of flack for that, obviously, you know. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, I, I as an animal lover, I, I kind of stood by him because I was like, this is a story that's not being told. He wasn't, he certainly wasn't advocating for it. He wasn't glorifying yeah. it by any stretch. Um, and I was like, no, this, 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 this was something that needed to be shown. Um, cause it's, yeah. it's not something, it's something that was talked about, uh, a little bit, but it was mo with Michael Vick, but it mostly was talking about Michael Vick. And that's all we heard was just about him. And it was like, you know, the animals, man, like, like yeah. uh, these, these, these help, you know, helpless yeah, creatures. Let's yeah. talk about the animals. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Thank you for sharing that, Ash. I think it's really important to to hear yeah. a little bit more about that and just how disgusting it really is and the reality that, I mean, this is something that's still going on today in this country. If you can imagine yeah. in 2023 where everything is getting canceled and like everybody does anything remotely wrong and, and stuff, but this is still going on. And it's still a horrible thing. Yeah. So, yeah, there was just a dog fighting ring found in New York and what we have to do in certain, most cases is they have to move the dogs entirely to a different state where nobody knows where they are so that the dog fighting people don't try to come back and get their money. We have to hide them in like very discreet locations and oh, wow. set up a whole, we had to set up a whole, I mean, animal hospital and shelter in like random abandoned buildings and figure it out and hide them until they're actually in jail. <laughs> So um, obviously you're not in New York, New York anymore. Um, do you, um, and I know you're still an advocate for the ASPCA, but I mean, what, other, what ways do you support them now? Do you like, are you involved with any of their, their charities or anything like that? Or 
You know, I'm not right now. I was just after I stopped working with them, I was volunteering. But now that I'm back here, I want to do something more, even if it's like, you know, you see those commercials or you can just pay something monthly, something like that, or just or donating blankets or towels. I mean, that's always needed. There, there's just a lot of ways that you can support donating food. A lot of these dogs that come from certain cases or dog fighting cases sometimes it's really hard to get them to eat because they're so terrified because they have no idea where they are and we usually only purchase one kind of food because it's cheaper that way but if you have like different kinds of random foods and random cans to bring in we use we call them the yummy foods um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's always helpful to just bring in stuff like that to not even just the ASPCA your local shelter or something yes just supporting in that way to get animals to just eat something, get them comfortable. But yeah, well, just. I think that's the, I volunteered at a local shelter for a while too. Um, and I think that that was the thing that was the most needed was honestly, was like newspapers and blankets, like the things like, yes. you know, that you don't think about. And um, yeah, if you've got like old blankets, if you know someone who's a hoarder of newspapers that's a great person to take advantage of with the, yeah. uh and and right there we uh there's such lady that that goes to our church that hoards newspapers uh and uh she she donates she donates them uh all the time uh to my wife who works at the zoo and uh um and yeah it's 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 a godsend it really is like that it's yeah, it sounds seriously. simple and stuff but it's it's really great so. I will say something that I noticed that I never even thought of somehow before is when I was working there, we had volunteers and certain volunteers were just in socialization. And you're like, so what is that? <laughs> but you get these animals from these hoarding cases or fighting cases and especially cats. And they are just totally freaked out and they have no idea what's going on. So we have volunteers go in and just hang out in the room for like an hour try to give them food try to give them toys and i it's just so shocking how much faster that animal comes around and it becomes ready for adoption just by hanging out with them so if you want to volunteer and just hang out with animals that is like it pushes them up to finding a home that much faster that's it's awesome just crazy it's amazing so I dropped the link in the comments, everyone, and then I'll post it in the show notes later on. So feel free to check if you should know what the ASPCA is. We featured them on the show before, but if you don't know about the organization, it's got a great history. It's one of those organizations mm -hmm. that actually the money and everything goes towards the organization. They're an yeah. A plus, uh, A plus nonprofit. Check it out. Great story and the work that they do, which was actually an ASPCA was actually founded in New York, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, learned that started with I mean, horses. Yeah, of yeah. all things. So, um, like I said, they've done some really great work and everything. So check it out. And Ash, thanks for thanks for bringing the topic up. And again, thank you for yeah. for talking about uh, the horrors of of dog fighting because it's. Uh, yeah something that needs more awareness thank you definitely so uh, as is a tradition here on ellis for more takes later tonight i'll be making a small donation in your honor so amazing i love that so, thanks no problem um so getting back a little bit to you uh this mm -hmm. is our i call this our rapid fire segment 
this is a this or that. Um, and uh, just I'm going to give you a choice of two things and just really quickly, like what your answer is. And uh, right. and then we might dive into it. Some of it's cigar related. Some of it's random. So we already yeah. did one. I asked you dogs or cats and you said dogs. So we talked yeah. about that. So it's the litter boxes is the reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's uh you talked you talked about a love of traveling. So, would you ra- do you prefer to travel in the summer or winter? Ooh, I guess it depends where, but I'd say probably the winter because when I travel somewhere, I like to go somewhere I can walk a lot. And if I am sweating and it's too hot to walk, I hate it. I would rather bundle up and then walk. I could walk so much longer, so much further. <laughs> so yeah, probably winter. Okay. Quick question. Have you ever been to the West Coast? Yes. Okay. So East Coast or West Coast? You know, I think I like the West Coast because the lack of humidity. I'm so sick of the humidity here. (laughs) But I don't know. I love the East Coast too. But I'd probably say West just because of the dry heat. I like that better. So where specifically, California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, where, where, where on the West Coast? Yeah, in California, I love, I love Santa Barbara. That was beautiful. Nevada, uh, been to Las Vegas and Reno. Love that. When I was, it was, I think Reno was kind of the first place. Well, I went to Colorado, but it was a little bit different. But Reno was the first place I went and was walking down the street, had no idea it was a hundred degrees because it wasn't humid. Like I didn't even think about it. It was just hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hot, but it's different. It's different hot. (laughs) I know a couple of years ago, 2021, right. The PCA returned uh, for 2021 and it was a record setting year that that summer. It was awful. It was like 117 degrees (laughs) during the day. It was still like 105 at night. Yeah. But it was really dry, and I'd go outside, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking smoke a cigar because this is fine." And and I mean, I'm <clears throat> of course sweating and everything, but like I'm like I'm sweating for a reason because like I'm right. I'm here in the eastern part of they call it North Texas. I say I still say I'm in East Texas. I'm in the, I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It's humid okay. here too, and it's yeah. I grew up in El Paso on the other side of the state where I grew up in dry um, heat. I grew up in 100 degree heat. It, it was dry, and I was used okay, to that. So. Yeah. um yeah, so Vegas, Vegas doesn't really bother me. It's hot. Don't get me wrong. Don't like being yeah. out there, but, uh, but it's 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 a good heat for me. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Um. Let's go into cigars. Natural or Maduro wrapper on a cigar? Ooh, Maduro. Why? I just think they're got a they're a little bit sweeter in a way. Like mm-hmm. I don't like flavored cigars, but I like a sweetness to it. And I usually get more of that leather note out of a Maduro than I do a natural. Do you have you pinpointed why the leather note really speaks to your palate? I don't know. And I Just don't get a lot. I I guess my palate hasn't really developed like some others too. Like I don't get a lot of tasting notes. Every now and then I'll be like, oh, it tastes like really earthy or like uh, hay or grass. But and then every once in a while I randomly get cherry, but I, I don't get a whole lot of tasting notes with mine. Sometimes, most of the time it's just like, I like it or I don't. I don't <laughs> do you smoke a lot of La Florida Dominicana? Yes, I do love them. Yeah. The Oscuro specifically has that kind of dark fruit 
like cherry kind of thing going on i love that wrapper i love that cigar yeah. it's really yeah, I, good i get cherry out of the my father led me you get cherry yeah. out of that yeah there's some dark fruit to it yeah i love it did you did you try the hundred años that they released last year that limited edition i don't think i did oh god somebody you, uh, else asked me that the other day i don't think i tried it i'll see if i i have any more I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I think I smoked them all, but if I have one, I'll bring it, I'll bring it to you in Vegas. Cause it's, okay. I think it's one of the best cigars I've smoked in like the last, last two years. It was so good. So good. Um, all right. Um, ninjas or pirates? Pirates. I want to be oh, a pirate. Snap. Pirate. Okay. Why do you want to be a pirate? Why do you want to be a pirate? I don't know. I just want to have a sword and be out to sea on a ship. All right. I mean, what, and drink yeah. rum. What? What else? Yeah. What else? Is, what else is there in life? Sounds good to and be. And I also, I really love this rum. It's called Blackheart. It's not. I mean, it's kind of like a cheap rum, I think, but it has like a really cool story to it. It's this pirate girl. I have to look up the story, but it's just it resonated with me. <laughs> look up the Blackheart rum story. <laughs> okay, I'll Google that later. Okay, yeah. I think I know the answer to this one. This kind of came up unbeknownst i had this written down before but i think i know the answer now based on what you said earlier which is kind of cool would you rather be an expert in human anatomy or an expert in world religions Ooh, ooh, probably world religions yeah i do love like medical stuff medical shows and i love veterinary anatomy i love doing surgeries so it would be kind of cool to learn that but i think world religions definitely I also had this written down before we talked about it. So let's take it out of context out of the city in New York. Mm -hmm. Would you rather travel by train or bus? Ooh, train. Yeah, I'm a train person too yeah. myself. I love the train. Speaking of piracy and being on a boat, would you rather learn to sail a boat or ride a horse? Well, I already know how to ride a horse. Okay. So I need to learn how to sail a boat, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I, you, did you grow up riding horses or? I did. I rode horses for 10 years. I did competitions all over Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay. See, yeah. we I, did, I wish I'd see this is where research could have paid off. You know, I could have there actually done this. What, okay. <laughs> well, so I, I kind of stopped when I was like 17 years old and didn't really do it much after that. So it was mostly my childhood riding horses. Um, so what, what kind of horse riding did you do? What kind of competition did you do? I did English style and it was mostly jumping competitions. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That stuff's hard. It was so much fun. I was, and I was just a kid. I didn't even think it was hard. I was just like, this is what I do. <laughs> I just jump on the horse. I mean, here we go. Did you ever get to the, did you ever get to the level of like, like near Olympic level or like. I don't think so. No, it was more just like regional fun stuff and do some random regional shows. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever win any competitions or? Yeah, I have a bunch of ribbons and a couple of trophies. But yeah, nice. I got first place a couple times. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. What's your favorite horse to ride? Oh, I don't know. Is, it, is that one of the dumb questions, by the way? I got to ask. <laughs> it, maybe it might be I, don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean when i was young i was and i was a little kid too i was just small and we went to colorado went to this ranch in colorado 
or no montana just ranch in montana and they put me on the biggest horse they had and i looked so funny that's just a tiny little i was like seven years old they put me on this giant horse it was so big i wish we could find pictures of that because that was really funny but i loved riding that horse it was actually a really nice sweet horse but yeah what uh what what was the uh did you ride like the same when you were doing competitions did you ride like the same horse or did you have several that you rode I mostly rode the same horse, but there was a couple throughout the years. At first, I started with this one horse named John, <laughs> and he was just really old, and he kind of like <laughs> was like, I got it. He was old, so he was easy to ride, and I was young, so that was kind of ideal. And then I switched to this other horse. It was a Palmino, and I I love, I can't, oh, Cal. The horse's name was Cal. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day, actually. I was like, can't remember his name. And I just remembered. Um, he was awesome. He was younger, but he just got me. Like, he was just one of those horses where we were just in sync. We just, we knew each other. We knew what each other wanted. It was, he was one of the, my favorite horses. Um, and then my dad actually <laughs> sounds weird, but my dad actually got me a horse for my 16th birthday. Oh, um, every little girl's was, dream, man. I know. Right. <laughs> but he actually turned out he was too young and I rode for 10 years and never been thrown off a horse. And then that stupid horse threw me off. Ugh, frustrating. And I like broke my ankle. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it was... hurt. I got knocked out for a minute. And it was funny. This is totally one of those stories where you get back on the horse. I literally, literally. got back on the horse. I <laughs> fell off and I was knocked out. And then when I like came back to, I was just so mad that he didn't, he freaked out because he didn't do the jump I wanted him to do. And I was so mad. I didn't think about anything. I just got back on and I made him do the jump that I wanted him to do. And then after that, like right after the jump, I realized how much pain I was in. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I gotta get off. But yeah crazy all right uh just a couple more uh questions here in this or that um so it's uh talk back to cigars uh honduran or nicaraguan puro Ooh, uh, nicaraguan so i usually go for okay. yeah I talked about maduro wrappers and nicaraguan cigars and stuff like what's like you Go into humidor and you're like, because I know I've worked years in retail too, so I know you probably have suffered from the same plight every once in a while where you don't like, I don't know what to smoke. There's nothing here to smoke, even though there's yeah. like thousands to choose from. Like right. what? What's what's the what's the trusty go to? I won't say your favorite, but what's like one of the trusty go tos? Like you're like, I know if I smoke the cigar, it's gonna be the same experience, and I'm gonna enjoy it. What's what's one of those cigars for you? Ooh, if I wanna go light I can always just go for like a Ashton classic Corona that's always a good go-to that mm -hmm. shops usually have yeah. um but my go-to for like boutique is Curavari love oh Curavari, god yes the Buenaventura series specifically but really any of them I mean Curavari crema one of my favorite light cigars oh, yes the praline the praline's my favorite ah mm. so good have you had the Gloria de Leon from Caravari? Yes. That's my bag. I love that fucking cigar. Holy shit. Yes. That's so good. And that oh little petite God. Robusto or Rothschild, whatever they are. Oh, yeah. oh God. It's spicy. so fucking. Yes. That's it's so fucking good. One. I love that one. Ugh. Oh, it's so good. 
and they have that cafe cafe noir have you had yeah the cafe noir it's yeah, good that one's so good with coffee Ugh. oh it's okay. fantastic yeah curvari i i wish they were more popular um than they are and i wish more people talked about them i know but they've kind I of been this biggest in, mystery. Like, a lot of my episodes. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. That's true. I, I, I wish the like the owners were more prominent, like out there, like a lot of the people that I talk to, and they're, they they right. just they really they have these great cigars, and there's really no one really telling the story, which sucks. Yeah, I know, and they don't have like reps or anything, and but they're just such good cigars, and for such an incredible price too. Mm-hmm. It's just. You usually some people will look at a cigar for a price like that and you're like, I'm not smoking that, but it'll be like the best cigar you ever have. It's so good. I I, I don't know if this you've had the situation at Paps, but I remember working at Michael's Tobacco here in Euless in Texas and we would get an order of Curavari and we would literally it would be literally like Christmas because we would we would we would have put an order in like six months ago then we finally get a box a huge massive box we would open it up we wouldn't know what the fuck was in there though like and it was like just Oh, we got six boxes of this. Six bo- like it was just like this. <laughs> like we didn't know what the fuck we were gonna get. It was great. Uh, that's so great. much fun. Yeah. yeah, we order the Curvari Crema. We have to order thirty boxes at a time because they'll be all gone in less than a month. I mean, it's just wild. At one point, we were Curvari's top seller in the United States. I was getting uh, so many people hooked on them. Good. Yeah, they told us that. Yeah. Nice. We love nice. them here. <laughs> awesome. I noticed that you also do a lot with DBL too, which is a, a brand that's kind yeah. of a little bit more smaller and, and everything, but definitely very boutique and everything. What um what what's been the 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 main draw for them at at Paps? Um, you know, he mostly well, we have like a lot of his cigars that we sell, but he does a lot of our events. So he comes in and does rolling events and he just has such an awesome story and he talks the whole time and he is just i mean that's all he does is rolling events six days a week everywhere all over the east coast like that dude doesn't stop rolling (laughs) and he's got a crazy story and so i i can't remember where my dad met him but yeah my dad just like met him through something and we just loved him and he loves doing events for us and he has great cigars All right, last uh, this or that question, then that'll take us into our next segment. Uh, Italian or Asian food? Oh, man. I love bread, but I also love rice. (laughs) (laughs) Probably Asian food. Italian can be, like, super filling. Yes. And, like, Asian food, it's very very general, right? Because, like, yeah. So like broad Italian, like you're, there's no light Italian dish. Yeah, there's not. It doesn't exist. Like even like, <laughs> like, like the antipasta, you know, course yeah, is still filling. But with Asian, like you could do like, that could be sushi. And like sushi is the most like, right. like the mirage of food. Cause it's like, oh, I just had a bunch of sushi and I'm not full, but yet I am full and I don't understand. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> yes. It's like really, really confusing on the on the system, because yeah. um, you're like, I should be full. I just had like ten rolls of something, so um, <laughs> I'm gonna order ten more. Or, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm dying later. <laughs> cool. 
Well, that will take us into our next segment, which is always brought to you by Postania Cigars. Everybody Eats, sponsored by Postania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people that they embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Postania, everybody eats. So couple variations of the questions that I ask under this section, and I thought this would be an interesting one. Um, so I wanted to ask you this. What is a dish that or food that you love that you wouldn't have tried if you had not been offered or forced to by someone else? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'll try anything. I don't know. Hmm. What's the last thing that you tried? What's the last food that you tried where you're like, I'll try anything. You said, I'll try anything. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess caviar. I didn't know I liked caviar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's some caviar I do not like, but there's some that's really good. It's actually the cigar bar merchants in New York city. Um, They have the best food in New York city. I'll tell you that right now, but. Oh, okay. That's quite an endorsement. I know, but it's out of everywhere that I've eaten, at least so freaking good. Um, but what am I saying? Oh yeah. They have these, uh, deviled eggs with caviar on top. It's the best thing ever. I love caviar. It's so good. good. I, I will also absolutely eat anything. Um, my favorite, I love my answer to this question though. When people ask me all the time, it was Rocky mountain oysters which yes, is cow testicles. I had them. I like them. They're very delicious. I encourage anyone to try them because they are, they are quite good. Nice. As long as you don't think about what they are. Yeah. It kind of takes that kind of, eh, but they're, if they're done well, which the ones that I've had have been it's just nice and tender and they're quite delicious. I was in Scotland last, you know, for a couple of weeks, the, I just returned um, last last Friday, and I ha- yes, of course, I had haggis, which if you know how haggis is made, that's also not the most appetizing description of a food, um, but it's also very <laughs> delicious as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like raw oysters too, it took me con- some convincing because they look so gross, but with enough horseradish and hot sauce, so good. I love oysters. Yeah. I love oysters on the half shell too. Um, yes. It, for most people, I think it's like a texture thing. Yeah, it is. Cause they're like, you know, I mean, when you say something is slimy and briny, it's not really the most appetizing (laughs) description of something. Yeah. So, um, awesome. Well, um, so, okay. So, so caviar, the first time you had caviar was on this deviled egg. Yeah. Have Have you had it anywhere else or on anything else or? I have. I got this like I can't remember where I was, but it's kind of like on, you know, like little pieces of bread with something else, and it was a bunch of different kinds that you could try and like put it on the bread. Ooh. Um, yeah, and it was really good. There's some of them I did not like though. There's like a bunch of different kinds, and some of them not my thing. But okay, I don't, I don't I don't know which ones are which or what they're called or whatever. But what was some of the bad ones? Like what did it taste like that you just didn't like? Just like way too fishy like i don't like fishy fish okay yeah just like i don't know how to describe it just too fishy 
I when when fish like it's really funny. I've had good, really good fish uh, for the last few years, and that's why like I, I've really grown to like seafood. I grew up not liking fish because of that taste that you're just kind of describing. I don't really like right. over, and it's because I was you know you know <clears throat> you know no 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 disrespect to my parents. They they bought what they could afford, you know, right. <laughs> and. Um, but I've had such good quality fish in the last few years. I'm like, oh, so this is what this is what good seafood tastes like. You know, like exactly, this is what this yes. is what it's supposed to taste like. Yes. Because <laughs> um, really bad fish tastes fishy, like you said. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. gross. It's Weird. gross. It's not. It's not good. Um, cool. Well, that was our Everybody Eats segments brought to you by Pasanya Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Postania. Everybody eats. So um, our, we've got a couple more segments here, Ash, before we kind of wrap up our show. And I just want to thank you before we kind of get into the home stretch, if you will. I just wanted to thank you again uh, for it's it's late there on the East Coast here in Virginia uh, and for you to set some time uh aside for me, um, to have this conversation. I just, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's Sunday is always family time too. So for you to kind of peel away and and take some time just to, to chat with me about, you know, your story and about cigars and everything, it just, it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so much fun. So, uh, one of our last segments is our asylum segment, which is, um, brought to you by of course by asylum cigars refuge is more than just a physical place it can be a state of mind some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum moments like these were made for asylum cigars so light up an asylum and choose your refuge now this segment specifically ash is about like our individual moments with cigars and you got into cigars similar to the way most people get into it. And that's because of the community. We've talked a lot about our conversations and our wonderful conversations within lounges, which led to the creation of your podcast, Ashes with Ash. And, and that's the whole premise behind it. But every so often we have the opportunity, and this is why I was really excited to ask you this question. We have the opportunity to, it's just us and the cigar. And that moment can be about so many things. It could be a celebratory moment. It could be just a moment of solitude or whatever, you've probably had dozens of these in your lifetime, but what's a moment, you don't have to pick your favorite or the most important, but what's one that comes to mind? What was the cigar you were smoking, if you can remember, and what was that moment about? Ooh. You know, one of my favorite moments, it was a Curavari, Buenaventura, the Praline, and it was right when I moved into, so when I first moved to New York, I moved in with roommates in Brooklyn, but then I moved into the city and I got my own place. It was by myself and I had this little fire escape and it was my first night in there and I only had a bed. I didn't have any furniture or anything, but I sat on my fire escape and I smoked that cigar and just kind of looked at the city and I was just like, in shock that I was there like when I was a teenager I thought it was like the coolest thing that someone could live in New York City and like I never thought that I would be doing it and especially on my own I just got this apartment I'm on my own I have this awesome job I'm like who am I (laughs) there was just like a really 
that was probably one of my favorite moments of just sitting on the fire escape and it's just kind of like a summer night too so it just felt really calm outside and my apartment was kind of like in an alleyway a little bit so it was just a little bit quieter but you could still hear the city in the background and it was nice that's awesome memorable moment <laughs> you know you talk about how like you were sitting there and and it was like this moment of achievement and everything like <clears throat> what did you feel like really what did you feel like you had accomplished at that point? Like you said, like, who am, like you, you, you made the proclamation, like, who am I? Like, did, did, <clears throat> did it feel like, like you're, you defined yourself more that night or, or you were knew you were on your way to defining yourself? It was more like I, I looked at my teenage self. Like I could see her and just looking back at me, like, well, you know, like when you're a teenager, I I have had a million dreams in my life, but living in New York City was always one that I didn't ever think it was possible. So I think it was just in that moment of looking at myself and realizing that you can literally create the life that you want. You mm. can do it. Anybody can do it. <laughs> and And you just have to realize it and then readjust and rewire your brain to get there and I did it so I guess it was just a proud moment of not anything specific not getting an apartment not just living in New York City it was kind of an achievement of conquering my own brain of thinking that I can't do it whatever I want and I realized I can't <laughs> well I mean it's been like so different too like you said growing up in Lynchburg, like where you felt like everything was like the same, everybody was the same, a lot yeah. of, you know, small town feel like there's nothing wrong with small town, you know, and, but like going from that to, I, I mean, we're talking about the complete opposite side of the spectrum here to right. that kind of an extreme and you having this journey to get there, that was something you always wanted. And then finally you're sitting there realizing you you accomplished it like you said it wasn't anything specific it wasn't like right. oh I've made this career accomplishment or anything like that I just I sought out to move here I wanted to live here and and here I am living here and that's that's great yeah. Would, yeah, awesome. would you ever would you ever go back um yeah well I lived pretty comfortably there I think I would go back if I made money to be more than comfortable <laughs> like I think if I had the right, I don't know, if I had the money, I might go back as long as I still have a house in the country, I can go visit that kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe not live there full time, but I would love to have a place there and be there often. I just, I really love that city. Did, did you move back? Was it, was it, was it a financial decision to move back or was it more personal? Yeah, it was more personal. Um, I, my brother had just had a baby and I was just really missing family in that point in my life. And I still only made like one or two friends and I was really just feeling kind of lonely and missing my family and wanting more space. I lived in such a tiny apartment. So I was just feeling crammed and lonely and missing my family. And now my brother had this baby and I'm just like, I want to be there. 
I just felt like I kept missing things in my family that I finally wanted to get back to. So made the jump. So when you move back, like, uh, like, what do you do? What do you do for a living now? So I work from home. I am a veterinary scribe currently. I actually just got a new remote veterinary job where I'm going to be like a client coordinator for this veterinary company. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that. And then I'm working at my dad's cigar shop a little bit doing mostly just doing events and special projects and getting inventory in order, stuff like that. I don't actually work like in the actual shop. I usually come in after we close and do all that stuff and getting events going. So um, he's mad at me now. Cause I took you away from work. That's what, that's what's that what's going on. Right. <laughs> no way. <laughs> They don't even know like when I come here. They're just like, when'd you work this week? We'll get you a paycheck. I'm like, these days. <laughs> um, getting slightly off topic here, but just like from the time that your dad started this company and then to where it is now and everything, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just kind of looking at your background and seeing what it is. Like we talk about dreams coming true and stuff like that. I mean, it does I like, guess this was this his dream. Like, has it kind of been realized a little bit? I think so. I mean, my dad has done every job in the world. I feel like he's always had like he's just always been everywhere. He does everything. He has had a million jobs, million businesses. He's had a restaurant, construction company. I mean, that's why I look up to him so much because every when you're little, everyone's like what do you want to be when you grow up? Like you have to be one thing and what are you going to college for to do this one job? And that's why I admire him because if he wants something, it comes to his brain. He's just like, I want to do it. (laughs) So he just does all these jobs and accomplishes so much with it. But yeah, I guess it, he always loved cigars and his dad loves cigars. So the first cigar shop he opened, he loved it. And my grandfather loved it and he worked there and then my grandfather became the staple of that cigar lounge called city place cigar and then years later he wanted to open another one and he found my grandfather's friend rick he's the other part owner of this place and they went in together and brought the dream back perhaps was born so how many sir does how many shops does he own does he own multiple ones now or just this one it's just this one for now okay working on some more <laughs> oh cool good for him yeah yeah awesome got a little off track but that was our asylum moment refuge is more than just a physical place it can be a state of mind some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum moments like these were made for asylum cigars so light up an asylum and choose your refuge so we've come to the end of our night Ash, and uh, this always concludes with uh, one last question, which is always our curveball segment, which is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sokka. So here's the curveball question for you, Ash. Fast forward eight years from now. How does the industry look different in your mind? And what will you be doing? Will you be in the industry and what will you be doing? Ooh, I like that question. You know, I think it's going to slowly start looking a little bit different. There's so many more voices out there now, and so many more of those voices are women. And I really think it 
can change the industry. Um, so I'm hoping for, you know, <laughs> lower taxes and more inclusivity and not, you know, having to jump through hoops just to smoke a cigar inside a lounge. <laughs> and so I'm hoping for that. And I, I hope to be in the industry. I mean, I love working events. I love working events for my dad's shop. I hope to be involved in opening more shops for Pap Cigar Company. And I really hope to be, I mean, all over the world with my podcast, honestly. I hope uh, it takes off and I can meet people all over the world in person, not just on Zoom, you know? You talk more about inclusivity. Like what, how, what's changed from when you started smoking cigars to today? in terms of I, being in terms of being a woman specifically yeah I guess I mean again I live in a small town really not a lot of women smokers when I started smoking I was the unicorn any and I mean I just I was pretty uncomfortable going into a lot of cigar lounges people just look at you funny and ask you if you're buying something for your boyfriend or ask you if you know how to cut that or light that or if you need help or I mean is it's really different to me now and I don't know if it's because I know I just got the confidence that I don't feel that uncomfortable now or if it really has changed and I think it, it really has changed that women are going out more and they're trying this more and they're talking about it more um yeah I really, um, when I started working retail and I started noticing more women coming in, uh, that was a really big thing for me. I really liked seeing more, more, like you said, to your point, more inclusion. And I liked seeing more women come in too, because I, I, what I've always boasted about this industry and what I've always loved about it, it's the great equalizer, right? You can have the, you can have the janitor sitting next to the surgeon and they can have a conversation about anything as long as they have a cigar in their hand. Yes. And so that should include everybody, not just men. Right. Right. And I slowly got to see that more and more. And, you know, a lot of times the women that came in were, you know, they were, it was always, they were, the, the, there was, they were there with their partner, right? They were there with their boyfriend, right. they were there with their husband. Um, but I, as time has gone on, I've seen more and more single women, like really find a home in cigar shops. And that's, that's probably been one of the more exciting things for me personally, just because, and, and we've talked about this on this show before. And specifically, like with uh, the episode with Amanda McAuliffe and everything, and McAuliffe's done a really good job of raising awareness. And this is that the industry, the cigar industry is actually predominantly run by women. We just don't yes. talk about it. Like right. women <laughs> do all the hard work when it comes to manufacturing cigars. There's women cigar rollers. There's a lot of men cigar rollers. Yes, but there are a lot of women. Women do the sorting. Women right. do the planting. Um you know, a lot of the jobs in a cigar factory are held by women. Um, there are more and more lounges being owned by women, run by women. Um, there are brands that are becoming more, uh, you know, women run. You you had the opportunity to meet uh, Liz, uh, mm -hmm. who goes by Remarkable Liz on Instagram. She's yeah. considered one of the 
foremost and original, I guess, cigar influencers, but she started her own cigar brand, which is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, Leo, uh, who started Nova Cigar, you know, she's, oh, yeah. um, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. I agree. And I, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful for that because I think, um, I think cigars are the great equalizer and why shouldn't that include people, both members of both sex? Like it just makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And as if, as fond of we are of stories and conversations, I mean, conversations will definitely be more interesting with more women. Exactly. In <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that's cool. Um, I, I really, um, I'm, I, I, I plan on continuing to support you and, and your podcast and your goals and stuff, because I, I really, I really like the idea of what you want to do with it and travel and, 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 and kind of explore the stories and everything. Cause that's exactly kind of what, what I do in this little corner with just the individuals in the industry, but yeah. you have such a unique take on it that I really like. And I, I, I hope, I hope you accomplish everything you set out to Ash. Cause that's awesome. Thank you. And so. this show is awesome. I'm, I can't wait to share it with everybody. And I think you're doing great things too. And I love your questions and this has just been so much fun. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for making some time for me tonight. And thanks to our audience for staying with us late as always. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Keep those likes and shares and comments coming. And if you are a subscriber to my YouTube channel, check out my YouTube channel. It's Elos Fumar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Uh, we can always find us here every Sunday night broadcasting live on Facebook. So go to my Facebook page, Elos Fumar. Don't forget to hit the like and follow button. Uh, calendar of upcoming events is always on there. We'll be headed to the PCA trade show. So what are you most excited? This is this is something we didn't talk about real quick. Um, don't want to miss it, but this is going to be your first PCA trade show. Yeah. What 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 are you most looking forward to? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't really know exactly what to expect. I am just so excited to just see everybody and meet people that I've been talking to virtually for years. I I'm just excited to see everything. I don't know if there's one specific thing. <laughs> oh, what? I think you'll absolutely go. Like, it's, it's really funny. Like, uh, when I first started going to show trade shows in 2018, like people were telling me like, gosh, I wish you had seen the trade show years ago. Cause it was this thing. I remember my first trade show and it was, it was everything I wanted it to be. It was, nice. uh, the trade show floor, uh, Ash is like, Coop, my partner calls it, it calls it like the cigar city. Nice. Because the, the, there's these huge signs in some of the booths like they've shrunk in size over the years but they're there's still these monstrous displays of just you know luxury yes but storytelling which i know you'll appreciate and it's they're yes. wonderful and you get to meet some of the greatest people hear their stories smoke their cigars um i will tell you it's vegas a lot of the shows, a lot of the trade shows, cigars you'll smoke will not be good. That's okay. Yeah, it's the right. weather. It's the weather. And but right. when you bring them home and reacclimate them to your humidor and everything, they will they will be they will be fine. But um, but it's it's an experience. I'm really I'm really excited for you to have that, and that'll be that'll be really cool. So um, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you out there and uh, and uh, uh, hearing what your impressions are. 
And so maybe yeah. the next time I have you on, we can we can talk about that too. So that'll be good. I'd love to have you back. Yes, I'd love to have you on my podcast too. Well, we can we can make that happen. Not a problem. <laughs> so for again, thanks to our audience, for everyone out there. Don't forget to check out YouTube and Facebook page. And if you're listening to us on podcasts later on, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, including iHeartRadio, don't forget to hit the subscribe, download. Go ahead and throw a review my way. That'd be great, too. Uh, if you already are a subscriber, do me a favor. Just hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because it actually helps my numbers and allows me to get great guests like Ash whenever I want. And I can just invite cool people on the show, and, and uh, that helps everything. So uh, so for everyone out there, really do appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep up coming. As always, I am Bear Duplessis, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. She's Ash Hot of Ashes with Ash. Check out her podcast. You can check it out on Podbean or wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Give it a download, subscribe, and review as well. This is some of the best conversations uh, in the cigar industry uh, from everyone from random strangers to some of the cool people in the industry, from Michael Herklotz to Jeremy from Costagli uh, and other uh, prominent women in the industry, too. A really great, fascinating listen. Check it out. Ashes with Ash, wherever you listen to podcasts, you definitely want to hit the download, subscribe, and review button whenever you can with her as well. And you can listen to Ash. Uh, uh, every time she puts out a great episode. So uh, we're looking forward to more consistency. Like she said, that's one of her goals. <laughs> and we'll be listening for all of that, Ash. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone in our audience. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. <laughs>